The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Sierra. And I'm Ashley. And this is your Weekly Weekly Dose of Wicked. on this lovely Wednesday. First things first, thank you all so much for our 1,200 listens. We actually have 1,222 listens. Oh, whatever. I was close enough. As of last time I checked. Let me double check it again. Ba-da-ba. Oh, we're actually at an all-time of... Drum roll, please. It's taking a long time to load. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> 1,222 downloads. Woohoo! Thank you to whoever listened to us in Malta. It means a lot to us. We have very exciting news. You put us on the charts. Well, we were on the charts in the U.S. too. Well, yeah, but not really. We were on the charts. Whoever listened to us in Malta, we greatly appreciate you. You put us on the charts at number eight in True Crime Podcasts. So, pretty cool. Number 69 in all podcasts. Yes, number 69 in all podcasts in Malta. So, we appreciate it. We appreciate all six downloads that you Woo-hoo! gave us that put, a, put us on the charts in Malta. <laughs> I guess you guys aren't much into podcasting over there. They have a lot of podcasts. I already told you that. Okay, but we're number eight with six listens. So let's <laughs> <laughs> not listen to a lot of podcasts. No, I don't think it matters how many. I don't know exactly how charts work, but I don't think it matters how many listens you have in that specific country. I think it's just overall... But, like, we got on their chart because someone in Malta listened. Oh. That makes more sense. You get what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. I don't think it was their six listens that were, like... It was their six listens that put us on the charts. I was like, man, podcasting is not cool there. No, I don't think that's the case. I don't know. I don't know exactly how that works. But uh, also, for, like, very, very short amount of time, we were number 211 in True Crime Podcast in the U.S. So, thank you. Thank you for giving us that. We're now off the charts. We are not ranked at all. No, but it's fine. We'll get back there. Maybe one day. It's fine. But anyway. Oh, what else we got for updates? We got anything? I don't think so. Um. Oh, I actually do have something I want to discuss. I know that we try very much to keep our podcast light, and we've discussed that we don't want to get political on our podcast. We don't really want to talk about current events. Right? Right. Well, I just have one current event that I just can't let go of that we just have to discuss and let all of our listeners know about. And it might ruffle some feathers, and that's okay. But I just wanted to make sure everyone was aware that Krispy Kreme got back their pumpkin lover's dozen. And the pumpkin spice latte. And it's only available from August 8th to August 28th. I just want to make sure everyone is aware of that. By the time this airs, it will be, what, like the 17th? So it'll be almost over. So if you haven't gotten one yet, go get a pumpkin lover's dozen. Get 12. They're worth it. Not sponsored by Krispy Kreme. I just want to make sure no one misses out because it's literally something I look forward to all year long. I've already went twice. 
I have not went twice, but I did go last night after you and I discussed um, that you were going, and then I went and got a dozen. And I also got a pumpkin spice latte. I went back today to get a pumpkin spice latte. And I don't care that it's only August 10th. As we're recording, I am all about the pumpkin. It's basically fall. I've been saying that for a month, and you keep telling me I'm wrong, so. I'm on board now. The pumpkin is out. Pumpkin means fall. Pumpkin does mean fall, and Krispy Kreme is like the earliest to let it out, but whatever. All right, so let's get into it. Uh, first thing we need to discuss is, if you haven't already, please, pretty please, with sugar on top, write us a review. Give us a rating. Tell us how much you love us. Yeah, let people know that you think we're great. Please, please, please. Um, in all of our 1,200 listens, we have seven ratings. Wah, wah, wah. So sad. So if we could just get a couple more, we'd be quite pleased. Um, also, if you haven't yet, go check out our Patreon. We've got some cool stuff going on over there. Once we have people actually interested in the Patreon, we'll be able to give you more content over there. I mean, right now, there's just two people who we love dearly. We're so thankful for our two Patreons. But if we could get some more, we'd be able to give you more content. We'd be able to do more fun stuff over there. So head on over www.patreon.com forward slash weekly dose of wicked. Or you can just go to Patreon and type in weekly dose of wicked. We pop up. Also, fun fact, if you go to Patreon, you type in true crime, we've moved from page 23 to page 19. So we're moving on up in the world. <laughs> moving on up in the world. <laughs> also, go follow us on Instagram. We post pictures every week to go along with our episodes for you visual people out there. We have, what, 24 followers now? No, we got 32. Ooh, 32. Clearly I'm behind on things. Anyways, Instagram is at weekly underscore dose underscore of underscore wicked. Uh, yep, we have 32 followers on weekly dose of wicked. I don't know why I said that. Obviously, you know the name of the podcast. We have 32 followers <laughs> on Instagram. Um, so, yeah. Preesh. We appreciate all 32 of you. Special shout out to all of our friends who found us um, due to my post in the Morbid fan group. You have nothing to say to that, Ashley? Yes, thank you so much. <laughs> You're still salty because they won't let you in the group? Yes! <laughs> I think what happened was I tried to join before, and the same mm -hmm. thing happened. I waited like a week, and they never let me in, so I canceled my, my join request. Yeah. I've already canceled and re-asked to join the group three times in the past three days. <laughs> and they won't let me in. So if anyone's an admin that's listening to us, please let me in. <laughs> they won't. But anyway, so thank you to all of the support we got from the Morbid group. Uh, very much appreciate it. I think pretty much anyone that listens to our podcast is probably pretty uh, knowledgeable about Morbid. It is, you know, one of the biggest true crime podcasts out there. One of our favorites, as well as Crime Junkie. Those are the two that really got us involved in true crime podcasts and really got us into wanting to do our own podcast. So thank you to them. And thank you to everyone in the Morbid group who decided to give us a listen. We appreciate you so very much, and we are excited that you're going to be here for the ride from the beginning. It's a fun one. I hope it's a fun one. I don't know. It might be a fiery crash of a ride. I'm not sure. <laughs> Hopefully not. We'll see what happens, but all right. All right. Let's start talking about Mr. John Parker. Why are you saying his name like that? I don't know. I just feel like that's how his name should be said. All right. Let's do it. He's from the U.S., so he doesn't shouldn't have a fun accent like that, but I just feel like he should. Well, maybe, what, what is the time frame of the case? Mm, 90s. Late 90s, early 2000s. So, no. 
I was thinking um, it could be like a Deep South case in like the 1900s and they would have said it like that. No. Mr. John Parker. I just feel like it's like a old Southern 1900s names. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, tell me about them. All right. I have no idea about any of this. So this will be a fun one for me. <laughs> I hope so. All right. So Mr. John Parker. So in 1988, when they were 19, John and Judy met. They were both working as salesmen at a vacuum company. I don't know if salesman is the correct term. She was a woman, so is it salespeople? I don't know. Well, it was the 80s, so I don't think that we were politically correct back then. They probably just called them salesmen. <laughs> okay, well, they were salesmen. So in 1984, at only 14 years old, Judy was searching for an escape of her life and married a man and moved to Indiana. Which I think is crazy. 14 years old, her mother gave her permission to marry a man and move to Indiana from Texas. Yeah, that is pretty crazy, especially considering it was like the late 80s. Right. I don't feel like people really got married at 14 in the 80s. It wasn't the late 80s. It was 1984. So it was like the mid 80s. Oh, I thought you said 88. No, okay. 88 is when she met John. 84 is when she met her first and moved. Okay. Either way, though. So by 88, she was 18 years old and she was already <laughs> divorced like because she was done with her first husband. That's crazy. Okay. Yep. So um, Judy and her first husband had their um, first child together when she was 16, a daughter named Christina. And one year later, she, they had a son named Daniel. The young couple were really struggling and lived above a bar sleeping on a mattress on the floor. Which I also think is funny because like every article I read said like they were struggling. They slept on a mattress on the floor. But up until like what? <laughs> Two years ago, I also slept on a mattress on a floor. And <laughs> I wouldn't think I was struggling. You had a box spring, though. I mean, yeah, but it was still on the floor. <laughs> okay, but I feel like when they say a mattress on the floor, they mean like a mattress on the floor. Like no box spring. You're not struggling if you have a box spring, Ash. Oh, okay. That's what draws the line. I don't know. I mean, when Jacob and I first moved in together, we slept on a mat. We didn't even have a mattress. We just slept on the floor. <laughs> that was struggling. <laughs> Yeah, we did. We struggled for realsies. There was that time I cried because uh, the only thing we had to eat was a cheesecake and he made it wrong. Yeah. Bad times. So the marriage only lasted four years. And in that time, she had two kids and she was 18. She left her husband in search for yet again a better life, where she found a job selling vacuums door to door and began raising her kids as a single mother. And this new life brought her to John. He helped her finalize her divorce and became a father figure to her two kids. In 1992, John and Judy had a daughter together, and one year after that, they got married. Together, they were a power couple. They opened their franchise of the vacuum company that brought them together, and with their hard work, their company thrived. John went from being the number one salesman in the company to being the number one distributor of the company. They had another daughter in 1997 and decided they were outgrowing their home and bought a house in the elite area of Crown Point, Indiana. They believed they had reached the American dream. John had made his first million by the time he was 29. Why do you look confused? This is not, I'm not confused. This is another Indiana case. Yeah. Another Indiana. I'm telling you, crime central in Indiana. Do we have any listeners in Indiana that we're offending right now? I mean, they should know. <laughs> I'm sure they do. I would not live in Indiana, I, I don't saw. think, with all of these crimes. I mean, there's crime everywhere, Ashley. I literally have a whole list on my computer of, like, cu cu cases I'm going to cover that all took place in North Carolina. So. It seems like a lot. 
So for the most part, their life continued to be a fairy tale. When Judy's kids had reached their teenage years, um, they began to be very rebellious, which put strain on the happy couple. Christina and Danny were 16 and 15 at this point, and they began drinking, smoking, partying, and experimenting with drugs. And the kids seemed to be living a lifestyle that they thought that their money made them invincible. However, days before the 10th anniversary of Judy and John, tragedy struck the Parker family. On April 17th, 2003, John and Judy were out to dinner celebrating while Christina watched their two younger girls. Christina had called saying one of the young girls left their homework at John's office. So on their way home from dinner, John and Judy stopped to pick up the papers. Around 10 p.m., John went inside and Judy sat in the car. When John exited the office, he was shot in the back of the head. Um, Judy said that she heard two gunshots and saw a figure running away toward the highway. I said highway. I meant highway. I heard you, but I had a mouthful of soda. <laughs> so Judy said she heard two gunshots and saw a figure running toward the highway. After the initial shock wore off, Judy got out of her car and rushed to her husband and called 911 to report that he had been shot and was bleeding. Minutes later, the police arrived on the scene to find no signs of life, and John was dead. They found John was shot twice in the base of his skull by a small 25 caliber handgun identified by the casings found at the scene, and John's wallet was missing. Judy was the only witness, and Judy had very little details, no description, and no idea who would even want to hurt her husband. The police initially thought this was a robbery gone wrong, um, but there were two main issues with that theory. Number one, only John's wallet was taken. And he was wearing a $20,000 watch and lots of other gold jewelry, and none of that was taken. Who in the hell is a $20,000 watch? Well, he made his first billion by the time he was 29. Or million, whatever he made. Selling vacuums, I mean. Selling vacuums. He was a distributor. Clearly, we're in the wrong business. Yes. Because our podcasting pays us $0. And zero cents. <laughs> that is true. And your... <clears throat> college-educated degree working in the hospital does not pay me a million dollars. No. I don't think you'll touch a million dollars in your lifetime. <laughs> no. But he was really known to, like, always wear flashy jewelry. So it was really strange that it hadn't been taken. That was, like, one of his signature things. I mean, clearly, if he's wearing a $20,000 watch... So the second thing that was wrong with this theory was that the office building that they were going to was located in like a super desolate um, warehouse area. So it was odd that anyone would be lurking around there at 10 p.m. to have a robbery. So where did they start? With the wife, obviously. It's always the spouse. Obviously. So after they um, looked into Judy, they also looked into John's business and both of these came up with nothing. They talked to Judy again about who she thought would hurt John, and she mentioned that John recently had a heated dispute with his past employee. So the police went and talked to this past employee, but this lead came up with nothing. They found that the employee had a solid alibi and that um, it showed that their disagreement was resolved amicably between the two of them. Soon, the Maryville police received a tip from the Crown Point police. So, Maryville is where his office was. So that's where he was killed at. And Crown Point is where they lived. The Crown Point police said that they knew of a plot to kill John. So, six months prior to John's murder, there was a report filed from a school resource officer to the Crown Point Police Department 
A counselor of a halfway house contacted the school because two boys who were living at the halfway house going to that school were found flashing around a large amount of cash, about $6,000. So in their question about this money, they said that it was from a boy named Daniel Hicks, which is Judy's son. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, oh boy, if teenage boys have it, it must be the son. Must be. So they said that Danny gave him the $6,000 to kill his stepfather. And the school resource officer. Solid plan. Solid plan to have teenage children kill your, however old he was at this point, 35, I think. I mean, yeah, sounds like a good plan to me. Why not? Why not pay some college to college students to high school students, not college, high school. I know. I was like, why does that sound weird coming out of my mouth? High school (laughs) students. Why don't you pay some high school students $6,000? Yeah. Where the hell did he get $6,000? That was the police next question. Oh, okay. I was just thinking, that's a lot of money for a... <laughs> well, they were also very wealthy. Okay, but, like, you think he just, like, walked up and was like, hey, can I get six grand? And they were like, sure, son, here you go. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know how rich people work. Not me. I don't know either. I'd ask for, like, 20 bucks and it'd be, like, 60 questions. Right. What do you need it for? What do you need it Where for? Are Where are you going? Who are you going with? What are you spending it on? <laughs> yes. $20 for the football game? No, 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 no. Here's 10 <laughs> Yeah. It's a little crazy. So the school resource officer immediately questioned the boys and contacted local authorities, which I think is, again, super weird that this halfway house counselor contacted the school resource officer and not the cops in the first place. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like, you would think she would just go straight to the cops and not the school. But anyways, doesn't matter. So the school resource officer questioned the boys and contacted the authorities and the money was taken from the boys and put into evidence, but nothing more happened. It just like fell through the cracks and there was no more investigating. Good, good, good. So when they received this tip, Maryville police thought, I'm saying like Maryville, that's not how you say it. It's like Merrillville. Okay. Anyways, Merrillville police Brought the two boys in for questioning, and they admitted to the police that they did get $6,000 from Danny to kill John, but they were never going to do it. They just wanted to rip Danny off. After investigation, the boys were found not to be involved, and when the Merrillville police heard this story, they didn't believe that Danny could do it alone, and they theorized that someone else had to be involved to give him the money. So they immediately suspected Judy again. They brought Danny in for questioning, and since he was a minor, Judy was there with him as well, which led to the police questioning her. They really focused in on, like, where Danny got the money from because they were convinced it was her. During the interview, Danny said that John was really abusive to him. He um, would hit him and throw him against walls. And because of this, he wanted John to know what it felt like and admitted to hiring the boys to rough up John and maybe break his legs or something. Okay. (laughs) That's a little more than roughing him up by breaking his legs. But Danny said that he only paid them about $100, not $6,000. The police took $6,000. So the boys had $6,000. That doesn't really line up. Could they have gotten it somewhere else, though? Could they have been, like, dealing drugs and used that as, like, a, a scapegoat of how they got the money? I mean, maybe. But they said they got all 6000 from Danny. But they're also not the most reliable boys. They took money to rough up an adult. 
by breaking his legs. Um, I yeah, I just feel like six thousand dollars is a lot of money to be handing out in high school. So okay. Yeah, I don't know. Either way, Danny says it was only about a hundred. They say it was six thousand. Not sure which one's tell the truth. Whatever, close enough. Give or take fifty eight hundred dollars. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. Tomato, tomato. Right. Missouri, Missouri. So Danny did not have anything to do with the death, and because of his confession of planning to cause harm to John, and the known extreme conflicts between John and Danny, due to his rebellious behavior, they had probable cause to file murder charges with juvenile court and arrest Danny. The future is a hefty responsibility, and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. So the investigators still believe that Judy had a hand in the murder of her husband, so they used Danny's arrest to really lean hard on Judy and hope she'd confess. And she refused to admit any involvement, and so they had to let her go. There was one major issue, though, with Danny's arrest. His Miranda rights were waived by Judy. Because Judy was also a suspect in the same investigation, she wasn't legally allowed to sign off on his speaking to police because he was a minor. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, because she was also a suspect in the case. So it had to have been like his other legal guardian to sign off on it. Judy wasn't allowed. But because Judy was the one to sign off on it, they had to like get rid of his whole confession none of it was admissible in court and he was released from jail but like essentially he didn't have another legal guardian right he had a biological father but like was his biological father in the picture um it doesn't sound like he was but i mean it's still his he still had all of his parental rights well i'm just wondering because you know like his stepdad came into the picture when he was what like three four yeah so I wasn't sure if, like, you know, he adopted it or... Probably, like, two. Two or three. Is he the younger? He's the youngest, yeah. Okay, yeah. Or the younger of the two. Right, okay. So hmm. he still had a biological dad. It doesn't say anywhere that he was in the picture, but it doesn't sound like he didn't have parental rights to him either. Okay. So because they had to scrap that whole thing, it put the investigation back to square one. So the cops really focused on Judy and began looking into John and Judy's marriage to find any dirt that they could use that would lead them closer to answers. They found a lot of rumors that Judy was having an affair. And their main rumor was that Judy was having an affair with the office manager of their business. So this gave the investigators a motive. If she simply divorced John after having an affair, she would basically get nothing from their estate. But if she killed him, she'd get it all. Right. So John's estate was worth about $2 million and his life insurance was $1.5 million. So it was worth a lot of money. So they used that as her motive to kill him. Was it the and money? she didn't take that $20,000 watch, so she had that too. Right. So other than this motive and a small amount of circumstantial evidence, they really did not have solid any solid evidence of her involvement. So, because of this, the case kind of went cold, and Judy just continued to live her best life. Within the next year, she moved out of their house and sold it to move in with her boyfriend, the office manager. 
if that rumor was true. Oh, okay. From everything I found, they say that they weren't dating, but I don't know about that. So she also filed to collect his life insurance policy, but his family blocked, tried to block it. And so, like, the funds were frozen until the investigation was closed. Judy and her boyfriend continued to run John's business and have access to all the rest of his assets. Judy liquidated everything, his cars, all of his fleshy gold jewelry that he loved and always wore, um, all of their fancy furniture, and even his boat. Which, and I watched Snapped, the the, documentary, I don't know, whatever Snapped is. I guess the documentary. Mm -hmm. And John's brother was talking about that, and he's like, and she sold his boat. Like, it was, like, the craziest thing ever. I just thought that was really funny. Like, what? It, but they never talk about like why this boat was so important. Well, maybe because he loved it so much. Maybe it was his prized possession, like um, our friend uh, Joey Budafuco. <laughs> maybe <his> cigar <laughs> boat <laughs> that he loved so much. So, because she sold all of his assets, um, it allowed her to live a quite cushy lifestyle. So these actions after John's death and the fact that Judy was having an affair made John's family feel positive that she was responsible for his death. I mean, I feel pretty positive she was responsible for his death, too. She sold his boat. How dare she? Can't pass judgment yet. You don't know. I'm making my mind up. I think she did it. Okay, well, we'll see. Okay. So John's family was positive that she did it. She was a monster. So they tried everything they could to get the custody of the two young girls who were seven and 12 at this point. But they couldn't actually prove that Judy was an unfit mother and she was never actually found guilty. So they failed and they could not get custody of the girls. So life went on for Judy. There were no breaks in the case. A couple of years later, a previous employee of John came forward and said that Christina, which is Judy's oldest daughter, gave him money to kill John. He says that he never planned to kill John, but he did take the money and run. Who gave him money? Christina, the oldest daughter. Okay, so both the freaking kids, both of those stepkids wanted him dead. Apparently. Was he really that horrible of a stepfather? So, I mean, I talk about it a little later, but, like, everyone talks about, like, how great, like, and loving he was. Except the kids. They say, like, he was abusive. But, like, they never found anything to really say he was abusive. Every, like, everyone talks about how he was, like, a loving father and a loving husband, and they had the picture-perfect life. So I'm not really sure. I mean, you know, that's all from the outside, so. Well, it's definitely s- still could be a possibility, right? From the outside looking in, he might have looked perfect, and he could have been a piece of trash. Right, a monster. Yeah, from the outside, he looked great, but the, both the kids both said, like, he was awful. Very strict and abusive. So the guy, the former employee, says that he never planned to kill John. He just took the money and ran. So the police investigated this man, but his alibi checked out, and they couldn't prove that Christina had even hired him, other than his word. However, it did prove now that there was some sort of a conspiracy in this family to kill John. There were two failed attempts now to hire a hitman. Successful attempt, because he's dead, so... So two failed and one successful? I mean, we don't have any proof that it was a hit, but I mean, kind of seems like it probably was. Right. We'll see. There's no proof that the Parker family had anything to do with it at this point. So they just continued to live scot-free while the cops continued to investigate. Judy continued to live with her manager boyfriend and raise the younger girls. Danny moved to Arizona to live with his bio dad. And Christina stayed close to home and started a family. Okay, so that answers our question. His dad was in the picture. 
But yeah, I mean, it doesn't really answer the question, though. He's in the picture now. Was he in the picture however many years ago? Three years ago when he was being arrested? Right. Okay. They could have, you know, rekindled their relationship afterwards. Mm-hmm. So in 2006, Christy's husband was arrested for an outstanding warrant for a weed charge. He was arrested and brought in for questioning. When the police questioned him for his weed charge, they also decided that they were going to question him about John's murder. He wasn't with Christina at the point of the murder, but they were so sure that the family was guilty that they thought maybe Christina had told her husband about it. And the police were correct. They said that the husband became really fidgety and anxious when they started talking about John, and he told them everything he knew. Oh. He said that Christina had told him that Danny had shot John. He drove out to John's work and shot him, and she provided the gun. However, this whole plan had been coordinated by Judy. So the same afternoon, the police brought Christina in for questioning, and she confessed everything. She says that Judy developed a plan to kill John. She told Christina where to get a gun. She gave him the money for the gun. Um, So she followed her mother's instructions, and she went and got the gun, gave it to Danny, who then hid behind a dumpster outside of John's office. Christina watched the kids while Judy took him to dinner. Christina placed the call that would bring John to the scene. And when the opportunity arose, Danny shot John in the back of the head. Judy had told Danny to take the wallet to make it look like a robbery and to leave the scene and go home. She instructed him to how to get rid of the gun, how to get rid of his clothes, how to get rid of the evidence. Once he was far enough away, Judy called 911 and played the shocked and grieving wife. The investigators immediately went to Arizona, where they found Danny. They told them that they knew everything because Christina told them. And the investigators say that Danny's body immediately went lifeless and he started crying. He said that he was tired of living a lie and he would also tell them everything. Well, he had already confessed before, right? But it was no good. Well, he didn't confess that he killed him. He said that he didn't kill him, but he confessed that he wanted to hurt him. Okay. Which was like enough evidence to arrest that there was like a conspiracy to arm him i don't know exactly his arrest charges the first time so the investigators took him to the local precinct in arizona where he confessed to the same story christina told them christina provided the gun judy was the mastermind and he was the shooter danny says that he helped carry out this plot because of judy she controlled him she brainwashed him and she had him believing that there was no other choice He told the police that Judy told him how abusive John was, and if Danny didn't kill him, that she would keep hurting the family and kill Judy. And killing John was the only way out. Again, so this is where I talk about the police looked into the claims of abuse, but they couldn't find any evidence anywhere that John was anything but a loving and devoted husband and father to his four children. But again, you don't know what happened behind closed doors. All of his family say that he was loving, and he would never do anything to hurt those kids, and he loved them, and he was a great husband and a great father, but you never know anybody pretty crazy so at 15 danny believed his mother and he helped her carry out their plan but at 19 he realized that judy was just a manipulator and had used him to carry out her dirty work uh yeah i can't imagine as a mother being like hey so i hate my husband let's go kill him come on kids (laughs) right (laughs) like if you want to kill a man i mean don't but like don't bring your kids into it no, like she brought both of her kids in and they were, I mean, kids. Children. I'm not saying it'd be any better. I'm not saying it'd be any better if they were like adults, but like either way. No, but they were kids. 
Right. Like as a mother, you're supposed to protect your children. So bringing them into your murder plan is not protecting your children. No, not at all. Oh my gosh. She's crazy. She's so just crazy. Like, whoa. Cuckoo bananas. Cuckoo bananas, definitely. Both Danny and Christina were arrested and they both agreed to testify against their mom. And that allowed the police to arrest Judy since they had no actual like physical evidence. They only had that circumstantial evidence that they found before. And with this testimony, it gave them enough evidence to prove that Judy was involved. So Judy was arrested for murder, conspiracy to commit murder, and felony murder. So I should have Googled this. I did not. What Do you know what the difference between murder and felony murder is? Mm, different charges. What state was it? Indiana? Indiana. It depends on the state. I just thought maybe like you would know off the top of your head. That's why I asked. Uh, well, I don't know the difference between murder and felony murder, but I do know that depending on the state, like they have like murder and capital murder. Right. And like capital murder normally involves the death sentence, whereas to like normal murder does not. Right. Um, so this says, unlike most murder charges, felony murder doesn't require the intent to kill, only the intent to commit the underlying felony, and that someone died as a, as a result of the felony. So, should have looked this up ahead of time, Ashley. Sick and tired of you not being prepared. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I have a notebook. Okay, well. <laughs> I was gonna look it up, but then I decided to watch Yellowstone instead. Oh, you should have looked it up. Again, just thought with that big brain of yours, you would know. Well, because I I don't want to tell you wrong information, though. So I'm just looking it up to be safe. But I don't know because it's not loading because I'm in the freaking garage. It says that it's just death caused during the commission of a dangerous felony. So maybe like her robbing him? Maybe that was the felony? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not really sure. With my definition that I found, it doesn't really make sense. Well, anyways, so Judy's trial was set for August 20th of 2009. But that day never came. Judy made a plea deal. She pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit murder, and the actual murder charges were dropped. Judy got 33 years in prison. The kids got a plea deal in exchange for agreeing to testify. So Danny got 23 years in prison for conspiracy to commit murder. And Christina got five years for assisting a criminal. The prosecutors believe that this was fair since the kids were held responsible for their part they played in John's death, and Judy got the brunt of the punishment. However, John's family did not agree. His brother said that they shouldn't have even been offered a plea deal, and there, since there was no trial, it seemed like the whole thing was just like paying a parking ticket. John's sister said that Judy's sentence wasn't enough because she was not only responsible for taking John's life, but she also ruined all of her kids' lives in the process. I mean, yeah, 100%, because she's yeah. a piece of trash. Hey, pause real quick, though. So this is an article on Indiana mm-hmm. felony murder. And so essentially, felony murder, according to this article, is when someone is murdered while you're committing a felony. So even if you don't murder them, but they're killed then you can be charged with felony murder. So this is an article on a guy named Blake Lehman, who was 16 years old, and he broke into a house to rob them with a friend of his. And even though he had no weapon, 
Um, he was shot by the owner of that house and the owner of the house also shot his friend and killed his friend. And he was charged with felony murder because he was committing a felony and someone was murdered while he was committing the felony. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. So that's what it, it seems like. It's just, you were committing a felony and somebody died in the process. Yep. So that's what it looks like. Indiana's definition of felony murder is so. Okay. So maybe like the felony that she was, was the conspiracy to commit. Right. Murder. Maybe. I'm not sure, but that's yeah. kind of crazy. I feel, I mean, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Okay, continue. Um, so Judy's still serving time in Madison Correctional Facility in Jefferson County, Indiana, and is eligible for parole in 2024. So coming up quickly. Yeah. Danny was released from prison in 2016. He's kind of laid low. There's not really much known about, like, his current life. Christina was released in 2013. However, shortly after, she died from a drug overdose. Well, that's sad. That is sad. And that's it. That's all I have. Oh, and John's family has custody of the girls. As they should. As they should. They probably should have from the first time they tried. Right? That's pretty crazy. I was guess was going to take another turn and, like, she was going to kill, like, her boyfriend and be, like, a black widow killing everyone. <laughs> no. No, as far as I know, um, she stayed with the boyfriend until, I don't know, maybe she's still with the boyfriend, but never said anything about him breaking up. I mean, I would assume he probably, I don't know. He probably should have broken up with her when he found out she did it in the first place, but I guess he didn't, so. He probably knew all along. He did know all along, did he not? They said that he, when they asked him about it, he, like, cracked like an egg. No, not the boyfriend. I thought that's the first person they asked. No, Christina's husband cracked like an egg. Oh, I thought it was Judy's boyfriend. No, no. Christina's oh. husband. He was brought in for a drug charge. He should have ran, too. Yeah. Yeah, but I guess, like, Christina didn't actually do it. So. Yeah, sure. I was confused. I remember you said the boyfriend was brought in for a drug charge, or a drug charge but I thought we were talking about Judy's boyfriend the whole time. I didn't realize we were talking about Christina's husband. Yep, nope. Christina's husband was brought in for the drug charge. That's crazy. And they were like, you know, we got nothing to lose. Let's ask him about John. And he crumbled. Crumbled like a cookie. That's pretty crazy. Did that make you want to puke? No. Wasn't that bad. <laughs> well, I'm glad. It wasn't that bad, but like, you know, Judy made her kids yeah in a whole conspiracy to kill her husband like a piece of trash yeah that's awful i can't can't imagine like i feel like she was trying to just like i she wanted her husband dead but like at the mercy of her kids she's like i don't actually want my hands in the death so you guys handle that i'm gonna sit in the car right <laughs> and like for what reason did she want him dead i mean she didn't really yeah i'm it doesn't i mean the cops think the motive was the money. Okay, but just to clarify, there's no good reason to kill your spouse. No. There's no good reason to kill anybody. No. So. Like, again, there's a thing called divorce. I don't know. I feel like we've been uh, really stuck on these spouses killing each other. Yeah, you need to change it up next week. I mean, I think we both. How many is that? It's like three in a row. <laughs> so we might want to. Change it up. I actually have a episode picture next week already. So, about three in a row. Mm-hmm. Bethany, well, I guess it is the Holland family, and now well, Bethany was ruled a suicide. Okay, but it wasn't. And now, 
John Parker. Is that his name? John? Yeah. John yeah. Parker. John Parker. And that's really sad, too, because he was doing so well with his vacuum cleaning salesman. I know. It's some 90s, isn't it? He's yeah. a door-to-door vacuum salesman. <laughs> I told you they still do that, even though you don't believe me. Uh, so, his business, I think, was Kirby Vacuums. Mm-hmm. I did not know that there was more than one vacuum company that came door to door. I thought Rainbow was it. No, there's more than one. All right, well. Anything else we need to add? Mm, I don't think so. I was just looking to see um what com- what vacuum companies sell door to door. Uh looks like Kirby Rainbow. Oh, this company called Serena Watervac. I don't know. Door to door sales are still a thing, I think. I don't know how because um, I don't know anybody who actually answers the door for strangers. Not me. Except for your kids. My kids do. I don't. <laughs> I don't answer the door for Not strangers. Me. I literally one time maintenance knocked on my door and I didn't know they were so I didn't answer. And they knocked on my door again. Didn't answer. So then they used their key and came in my apartment as I was like sitting on the couch eating a sandwich. <laughs> and they were like, what are you doing? And I was like, I didn't know who you were. And they're like, why don't you just look at the people? I was like, well, my sign is covering the people. So I still couldn't see you. Yeah, I just check my ring and see if um, I know them. And if I don't, then I ignore them. Yeah, I don't have a ring. So I missed, that's why I missed that very nice gentleman who came to my house last week to bring me a light bulb from Redneck Jeff's ATV that he lost at your wedding. What? <laughs> I don't know. Some guy came to my door and he like rang the bell and I ignored him. And then he, like, looked around, he, like, knocked, and I ignored him. So then he, like, set a little box on the porch. So then I went and picked up the box, and it said, Alan Harrington, question mark? And then it was like, I found this light bulb to an ATV, possibly from the wedding, question mark. And then I called Dad, and he was like, oh, my God, that's Redneck Jeff's whatever light bulb. He's been missing that. How do you find it? I don't know. How do you know to bring it to my house? Kind of creepy. Right. No, Dad said that it was one of the guys that had stopped by when we were working on the land, so they knew who okay, we were. Okay, but what, how did they find the light bulb? Where did they find it at? In their woods. They're the people that live behind the land. Oh, okay. In their woods. That makes sense. I thought they were just, like, walking around Dad's land. No, I think it was, like, the where they butt up. That makes sense. Probably up by Rock Mountain. But, yeah, he came to my house. He left a little box with a light bulb <laughs> in it. For Redneck Jeff. And then I called and left him a voicemail to him, thank you so much. I'm so sorry I ignored you. I didn't know who you were, so I didn't answer the door. Funny. Awkward. All right, well, thanks for listening. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard and want to support a small podcast, please give us money at www.patreon.com forward slash weekly dose of wicked, where you can join one of our three tiers. At the $5 level, we've got the moderately wicked. For $7 a month, we've got the awesomely wicked. And for all of those high rollers, big ballers out there, we got the $10 level, the Extraordinarily Wicked. As a member of our Patreon, you are entitled to bonus episodes. Uh, You also get a one-time shout-out on our podcast, as well as some other cool little extra things going on there. So come on over. Join our fan club. Feel free to give us a follow on Instagram at weekly underscore dose underscore of underscore wicked or you can literally just search weekly dose of wicked and we'll pop up because we're the only ones for a direct feed of our podcast please go to www.weeklydoseofwicked.buzzsprout.com 
great news. You can now listen to us pretty much wherever you like to listen to podcasts. That's right, folks. We are big time. You can now hear your weekly dose of Wicked on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Plus Alexa, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, Pocket Cast, Deezer, Listen Notes, Player FM, Podcast Index, Overcast, Castro, Castbox, and Podfriend. The only place we can't seem to get ourselves on is Pandora. So we'll let you know when that happens. In the meantime, make sure to come back next Wednesday for your weekly, weekly dose, dose of, of wicked. But um happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.